Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, tuplets? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. How's it going? How are you? Are you okay? Is everything all right? What day is today? Thursday? Tonight. I will be in Troy, New York. Tomorrow, Friday. I will be in uh, Laconia, New Hampshire. And then Saturday, Burlington, Vermont at the Flynn Center. All right? I'm just throwing that out there. That Flynn Center gig. I don't, is it going to be snowing? What's going to happen? Going to be driving around the northeastern seaboard. Is it almost? Not really? New England? How's that? Might be snowing. Going to be like the old days. Going to be like getting snowed in in Boston. So many years of my life I spent back there driving through snow. Digging my car out of feet. Multiple feet of snow. To slide around the streets like every other idiot. Man, looking forward to it. Looking forward to be, <laughs> to being terrified on the roads of New England over the next few days. How are you guys doing? At least it'll get me engaged. There's nothing like driving in a snowstorm to make you feel present. That's where I want to be, man. I want to be awake, engaged, and present, and scared that someone's going to slide on black ice into my vehicle from the other side of the highway. That's living, man. That's living on the edge. Just, hey, man, if I don't pump these brakes, these things are going to lock up, and all that black ice I can't see might just send me spinning down 95 in all different directions. Who knows where I'll land? Good times are coming. Uh, today on the show, I've got Mike O'Brien. Now, Mike O'Brien is a guy I met a few years back with Lynn. He's a comedian and a sketch performer and a former writer on Saturday Night Live. But he co-wrote the movie Sort of Trust, which was Lynn Shelton's last movie, with me in it, uh, with her. He also created the series AP Bio, where is, which is where Lynn met him and asked him if he wanted to collaborate. So we have an interesting entwined uh, history through Lynn, so we get to talk about that a bit. But uh, I never really, uh, this is the first time I've ever really talked to him for any, for, for any amount of time. But uh, it turned out good. Look, you guys, something's got to give. I know right now I sound kind of chipper, but uh, the bottom has fallen out a little bit. And you know, I'm a guy 
who talks about mental health a lot, but I can feel it. I can feel the bottom getting a little soft, whatever that means. It's like the yeah, the floor is a little shaky on the uh, foundation of psychic me. I, I do know that a few days ago when uh, you know, I drove up the coast there to do those shows in Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo, there was a tremendous amount of relief. But that's just relief from the day-to-day of the house. It doesn't necessarily get you out from under everything. But I did notice something during the shows is I could feel the bottom of me. Like, I, it was, it's not depression, but there's a, it's a very thin veil. It's not a veil, is it? It's a very thin, porous uh, film, <laughs> Meta, you know, a, a metaphorical film between me and my emotions and the audience. You know, the, the veneer of the guy, Mark Marin, who lives on the comedy stage, is very close to the skin of the actual Mark Marin. So that uh, that amazing song and dance man that you see on stage at my shows, it's just behind it. There's a raw throbbing ember of uh, existential crisis. But no, but what happens is because of the material I'm doing, which is very close to the bone and it's very delicate in in how close it is to, to uh, terror and... Uh, panic and trauma and you know the world we're living in i i mean that's exactly how i like to uh to do my comedy but there were moments where i would feel like you know like wow one little tweak and this is just horrific and i think that's a good sign but i was dipping in and out of that i I had to hold the line within me to keep it funny and uh that feeling i couldn't quite identify and then i was talking to uh to kit the the cat girl and I was like, you know, I, I'm just not talking to my friends as much anymore. I seem to have drifted from my buddy Jerry, from, you know, I haven't spoken to Tom in person in a while. Even Sammy, you know, him and I are like, you know, not day to day anymore. And like, you know, I'm starting, you know, Dean and I are like uh, sort of estranged. And it's just like all of a sudden I realize like, ah, man, I'm not really talking to anybody, am I? She goes, you sound depressed. I'm like, What? No, it's, you know, it's just, uh, I just, just need the time, man. I just can't handle it. I can't, I don't know. And then I thought maybe I am. Maybe I'm, I got a little bit of the depression going on. Maybe it's time to hit a meeting, as they say, or lock in with the therapist, figure it out. What is it? What's gnawing at me? I don't think it's chemical. I've known myself long enough to know that I don't experience uh, chemical depression. It's not a biological thing. A lot going on. Weight of the world and whatnot. Weight of the life. And I look, mine is, I have less weight than most people. And I'm, I guess I'm shredding on the periphery there. I can just see the, yeah, I, can, I just see it, uh, the fabric coming unwoven. So I got to work that through. And I'm heading out. I'm going to be doing these shows tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday. And uh, they're going to be life or death in some way. Not really death, but, you know, when your sense of sanity or your sense of uh, being grounded or your ability to fight off the darkness, uh, that that becomes a, a, a real battle on stage for me. And that's honestly the way I like it. I would hate to think that all this is just preparation. I guess that's possible. I don't think that's the deal. 
I think what the deal is, is uh, not unlike other times I've felt this way, I've got to put some new stuff in my head. I've got to get out of my head. I can't generate the happy in my head. I can't generate the well-being. I can't generate the peace of mind. It doesn't all come from within. It has to come from outside. Mostly, I just generate anxiety. The call is coming from inside the house. So I got to go look at more art. I got to take in some stuff. I got to got to listen to some music. I got to play some music. I got to talk to the people. I got to feel connected to a world of humanity, of uh, creativity, of uh, people who are doing things proactively, not the flaming garbage that flies out of my device. I'll be okay, man. We're going to be okay, right? I said to the dying world. So, Mike O'Brien, good guy, funny guy, just did a show with him at the Dynasty Typewriter, and uh, he's not really here promoting much. I mean, you can go watch AP Bio. You can see the stuff. He's, he's worked with Tim Robinson, done the SNL stuff, and he's actually, if you want to see him perform, this worked out, he's going to be at the Club TG in Atwater Village tonight, Thursday. 8 p.m. And this is me uh, talking to uh, Mike O'Brien. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. So wait, Michael Bryant... Look at that. I'm doing like a thing where I say your name. Up yeah. Front. That like, means we're in it? Sure. Well, I, I never do that. It, it's something you do on live radio to remind people coming back from a break. Right, right. I'm talking to Michael, Michael Bryan today here in studio. So what are you doing? <laughs> I, did a, I did a stand-up show with you the other night. Yeah. That was fun. But do you do that all the time? Uh, I do it a good amount. Not as much as... Um, you are a lot of our stand-up friends, but uh, I try to go up once or twice a week. So I'm I'm working towards an hour with that. For what to tour or to um, do a special? Like I mean, are you a stand-up by nature? Well, I came up through sketch and improv. As you you saw, there was a sketchy beginning. I was excited to <laughs> hear your take. Um. For the listeners, uh, Marin seemed lightly annoyed to be brought out kind of at the end of a sketch. I don't mind. I couldn't I, tell if it was over. Right. Yeah, yeah. Am I part of it now? <laughs> Am I part of the sketch? <laughs> I, I, I think I've I've grown to uh, to sort of honor people's expectations around my weird <laughs> dismay around 
sketches, but I, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so when did you start doing stand-up, though? Well, when I moved to New York, so I did Chicago improv for like nine years, basically my twenties, and no, then we gotta go back now. We gotta we gotta start the whole thing. If we're gonna, <laughs> we gotta come up <laughs> that through might it be all. All you need. Oh, no, that, that no, might... I think it's important. I think because like what people probably don't know is that, or maybe they do, is that uh, you wrote that you wrote the outliney script thing with Lynn for right. sort of trust. Yes. And that was the first time I think I knew of you or uh or you know I didn't I didn't really know your stuff or where you were coming from or anything about you. I just knew that you were writing this thing. She had chosen you uh-huh. to write this thing. I'm like, who's this guy? <laughs> Cuz that was before we were able to really uh uh be um out with our feelings for each other. So anytime right. there's another man involved, I was like, what's his what's his name? <laughs> That's 100% the vibe I got when we pitched it to you. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. went to some coffee shop and she's like it's gonna be great um we're gonna pitch it to mark and and he's gonna love it and she gave like a 20 to 30 minute uh description of yeah. the whole plot and you were just kind of staring at both of us and she was done and you said and that's it <laughs> <laughs> and i think we all shook hands and yeah you were like who's this guy and yeah. I, I didn't understand the energy at the time other than i did think the plot needed more touch right. ups. Yeah. But I didn't <laughs> like, I didn't know there was like a, a subtext a, a male lion like <laughs> squaring up. <laughs> That's always sad when only one guy knows that. <laughs> and the other guy's like, what's sir <laughs> What is this yeah, what's this guy's problem? Is yeah. he alright, this guy? <laughs> He's chewing really hard. Um, yeah. Where was that? How come my memory's going? How's your memory? Where where do we do it? Mine's medium. I, it was supposed to be near your house. It was like a corner coffee shop, bakery type place over by Highland Park House. Yeah. Oh, maybe Cafe de Leche, probably. I think so. Yeah. Down on York. Yeah, it was on York. Oh, but yeah. So you, how did she find you? How did you know Lynn? So I had a, a show I was running called AP Bio, and well, we, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. So she was a, a brought in as a director, probably. Broadway video or someone knew of her. I didn't know Did her. Did she direct at all. one? So she directed two. Um, but yeah, after the first one, she, we were sitting in Video Village and she was just like, um, Do you improvise? Do you do you do you write? Do you do yeah. like and you could see in her brain she was like, This is who I'll get to co write um, yeah. a Mark movie. <laughs> and it was that from the beginning. She was like, um, you know, I think Mark could be the lead. I'm like, let's leave it open still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who needs that lion? <laughs> that guy's nothing but trouble. I, did, I barely know him, but he seems cranky. Yeah. So, well, um, the backstory was we'd been writing this script together for years. Right. It was ongoing and it wasn't getting done. And she just really wanted to make a movie with me. And that was the other thing. So she brings you in to kind of, when I'm like, we're doing our thing. And, and that thing's still not finished. <laughs> Wait, is this a confrontation, WTF? I didn't know this is, this is like the Mencia one or whatever. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think it was going to turn out that way, but I just want to know what the fuck were you guys <laughs> finally having it out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what really happened? <laughs> no, but she wanted to make the movie about me, and she yep. chose you because she thought you were funny. And uh, I got to be honest with you, the ending of that movie always annoyed me. Yeah. Yeah, a little that, bit. That was um, what you were expressing that time. Um <laughs> For sure, that, that's not been hidden. But um, uh, but yeah, what is it you? 
I mean, spoilers, but uh, yeah, you were uh, it's never It's kind of fizzled or... out. Yeah. Well, it had the you and her characters had a nice resolve. Oh, yeah. Well, that was like, you know, that, that should have been a whole movie in and of itself. Right. And I thought the movie was really fun and it was funny, but I, I just personally felt it was a little bizarre and unsatisfying uh, resolution. I I had that feeling, too. And, and there was some parts of me that were like... You know, she just wanted it to be funny, mostly, right. a lot. And I was like, I think we're at the expense of the plot a little bit because she was like, there should be this torture room running thing. And that yeah. didn't feel as grounded, even though, you know, back it all was so funny and everything. But um, but the story-wise of wrapping up that, the yeah, the plot of the sword itself did feel... And and the, to her credit, she as I would say that kind of stuff, she was like, "We're going, we're moving. This is yeah. like everything with her was like, we're making this movie. You're overthinking it. That's what it is. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be so funny." <laughs> and that's kind of like her her debate. And she, was and she just gets like, things done. Yeah, yeah. I, and she commits to things, and then you know that was uh, and that was that. But uh, I had a great time with it, and it was fun. And you had your a uh, little appearance in it, and yep. and then we became sort of uh, you know, we knew of each other mm-hmm. then after that. But you don't. Where'd you come from? I grew up in a tiny town in Michigan, uh, near Detroit, uh, like an hour and a half south. That's not near. No, not near anything really. There's like a half hour of cornfields around. How'd you get out? What you? What did you? Why were you there? What was your family? What was the, my my family is um, Southside Irish Chicago people. My dad took a job in Toledo, and my mom like got lost and saw a house she liked or something. Is the story? So, oh, okay. We ended up in the middle of nowhere, kind of, and then. But it's closer to Chicago. Uh, no, the the town is uh, closest to Toledo, basically, but not not close to anything really. Yeah. Um, but I moved to Chicago in my twenties. Were there a lot of uh, Irish siblings? Yeah, youngest of four. <laughs> <laughs> I think their goal was seven. <laughs> and uh Yeah. What are the are the how are the other ones doing? Uh they're great. They all they've made a lot of Irish kids and all my cousins have made a ton of kids. Really? And, yeah, it's just kids. But uh they're great. My uh older sister Megan was just here with her twelve and eleven year old, which are really funny ages. I I've just had it on my mind because two nights ago I went for a one on one walk with the twelve year old. Yeah. And he he started going like we don't really know why we're here, here, right? We and I was like, whoa. <laughs> he's like, he's like, and we all die. I, yeah. I know that, and I get yeah. that, and I could die any moment, right? right. And yeah. I was like, I, I suppose so, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it was this he heavy, cornered you, huh? Just yeah, out of nowhere, blindsided you with the big question, the biggest. And uh, yeah, is there any point to any of this? Like, even I was like, well, it might be just about being nice to other people. And he's like, but then why that? To what end? And I was like, I don't have, yeah, maybe not. Wow. How, where did this end up? <laughs> it was ended he, up- Is he a happy kid? <laughs> yeah. He was pretty, he was just like thinking about it all. And we ended up continuing it with my sister when we got back from the dog walk. And we didn't realize his younger sister, my niece, was kind of listening from the other room Yeah, and was getting traumatized of the constant, like, we all could die any second. Yeah. Like, you're- Maybe ready for that or not at yeah. 12 and sure. 11. Sure. So, so where did it end up? On an okay note? How'd your sister handle it? She was getting really into, and this also made me think of the Lynn stuff, of like, are we as a society good at handling death? Yeah. Because um, I thought there was, um, with Lynn, there was um, Zoom memorials hosted by Michaela Watkins and her husband that were 
really nice and helpful right for, away it was like a, yeah. a shiva almost right it was, it was heavy though because i was like so traumatized yeah you were in the thick of it in a way that yeah, everyone else was sort of different. like we miss when and i'm like <laughs> her car's in my house it's my yeah. house yeah i still have her her hat up you know it was like it's yeah. a lot of stuff but but yeah i just kept uh while well, i'm talking about it on stage a bit and i just talk about how i got very exhausted from crying in front of strangers yeah <laughs> you, you know because it's just uh that's what you do yeah. And I don't know that I've ever experienced anybody in in that type of grief before. Maybe I have. But like there's no how do you do that? You know, I don't I don't remember seeing it. I I tried to, yeah. you know, discuss it on stage about how culturally we don't have really a mechanism, but I I guess religion has them. Mhm. You know? Uh you know how 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 to process what to do steps to take but uh how any individual deals with it there's no way to deal with it it's just going to keep coming yeah. but i guess if there's trauma eventually you have to resolve that yeah and the like what we were talking about that night was like the more buddhist philosophy is, is like embracing it and you're happy about this next stage and i'm like that's hard to get to yeah. from where we're raised and everything where sure. it's um, but I guess that's the goal where you're like, oh my God, what a great thing. My One of my favorite people died. <laughs> <laughs> it did. How'd the kid take that? Did, 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 did she lay that on the kid? The Buddhist? Book? Yeah, yeah. Get excited. It's coming. Yeah. It's it's going to be great news for you. Uh, and he kind of said, I think I could. I don't think I'm that scared of my own, which especially when you're 12. Sure, sure. He said, but I think I'd ha still have a lot of trouble with like my family dying. And we're like, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> well, there is like the one thing about having it as close as it was it, 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 with Lynn and is, is that there is something, you know, painfully human about it. And there is something permanent about it. And there is something, you know, almost comforting when you're ar around it like that, where you realize like, well, that's just going to happen. And yeah. then that's the eternal nature of it, is that we all end up gone forever, really. Yeah. And I guess it's okay, but it's inevitable. I mean, I, I tried, it's made me sort of cynical about sort of my reaction to it. It's like, yeah, okay, that guy died. It's, yeah, it's sad. The absence is, is real, yeah. but uh, get ready. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like online culture also has got bad language for it. It's like always so sad, so too even with like a 98-year-old you're like too soon ripped from us. Yeah, yeah. These yeah. phrases that yeah. are um Yeah. You do wish that they could thoughts and prayers. Right, right. Too soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I you know, online you can't. That's not yeah, everything gets processed in in a day as well. Yeah. The world got a little less happy today and you're like, well, I hope not. That's <laughs> Was it all hinging on Bob Saget? <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing? That was it. That was the, <laughs> that was, that was load-bearing. So in Michigan, where are you like, uh, are you exposed to funny things? And like, are you a high school funny person? I think so. I, I My older siblings and parents are funny and, and we, you know, watch a lot of comedy and talk yeah. about it a lot. Not, never the concept of doing it was never a thing when you grow up out, I know, you out never of LA. Thought, I never thought about it. No. Where did you grow up again? Albuquerque. I mean, yeah. I knew people did comedy, but I didn't know that there was a process. I think right. I thought they just arrived fully baked. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's ne never talk of that. Um, yeah. I think in high school, it was like a defense mechanism because, sure. you know, girls were, uh, weren't happening. So I was like, well, 
I'll be so weird that it'll look like I wasn't trying. Yeah, but yeah. That's yeah. why people it's are on always, purpose. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm alone on purpose. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> no like one a, likes me on purpose. <laughs> I had like a funny helmet I drove to school with and stuff. And oh, you're a helmet guy. Yeah, I went helmet <laughs> and on, on purpose helmet. <laughs> yeah, not on purpose. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a, a baby with a soft spot in their skull, but I was 16. And and then, like, you know, you're like, what kind of helmet? Like a Nazi helmet? Or? It, it, no, Mark, you're not kidding me. Uh, <laughs> gotcha interview. It was just a white, it looked like a half a ping pong ball on oh, yeah, a mouse yeah, yeah, type. Yeah, sure. yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, I had one of those to ride my mini bike. My dad had bought a helmet. It's not the whole head helmet. It's just a skull top helmet. Right. With the ear flaps that were kind of, that kind of wrap. There's a... Chin yeah. strap. Yeah, there's a chin strap, right. exactly. And um, did you ride a bike? No, that was like in my car. So that's, you know, so then my buddies are going, that's why he's not making out with girls right and left is he's he's too quirky. Yeah. He's um, got a helmet on. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just had heard like, you know, uh, enough Chris Farley and Bill Murray type um, references to Second City to, that- I moved there, and and my sister and I signed up for those classes. But after, uh, did you go to college? Yeah, went to Michigan. That's a good college. Yeah, University of Michigan. Yeah, isn't that the good one? It's, in my opinion, it's the good one for sure. Or is there another one? Is there Michigan State or There's something? There's also Michigan State. Yeah, but one of them is like supposedly like a. I remember it being talked about like it was a good school. It's a good you? public school. Yeah. So what'd you do in college? Um, I was on the crew team. I had a You're in uh, the boat. Yeah, with the helmet. I left the helmet at home. That would have been good because the girls still weren't happening. But um, really, I had, crew didn't get you girls either. No, no. Only, Were you good at it? Were you like uh, I was medium. Um, I had a comedy newspaper that also didn't get me girls, but it got me excited about writing comedy. You uh, came up with it, or was it an existing thing like the Lampoon, where you people came through it? It was. Um, inspired by Lampoon and yeah. Onion, but it was a new new thing. You did it. Yeah. You and took the initiative. That's right. Editor-in-chief. Editor-in-chief and had a bunch of rowing buddies writing for it, none of who aspired to be comedians or writers. It was a... It was not the lampoon or onion, but it was fun, and it got me, um, got me backstage at uh, Norm. Uh, he toured, and um, right after he got fired from SNL... Norm MacDonald? Norm MacDonald. Yeah. And, um, I had a press pass because of this, so I could go meet him. It was yeah. the first stand-up show. Sure. At college. <laughs> yeah. 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 Were you, you met Norm? Yeah. Were you buddies with him? Are you? I knew him. I mean, I don't know if we were buddies. Not sure who my buddies are. <laughs> we all are, you know, we're peers. He was not an enemy. And I've interviewed him, and, you know, we were friendly. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened when you met him? How was it? Was it, uh, did it change your life? Uh, no, it was probably a good intro of all the famous meetings uh, that happened. He was he was nice, but we immediately didn't have anything to talk about. And yeah, um, and it was awkward. He's good at awkward. It was it was a little awkward. There was a weird thing where he was sitting eating like a fruit plate. Yeah, and then in a kind of long thin room, and all the press was standing so far away. And then he was just alone in this chair, like yeah. twenty feet from us. Like a bunch of college press kids were just scared to walk up to him and talk and yeah so we kind of sat and watched him and he'd make an occasional comment it was weird um but <laughs> who, who established that was the way it was supposed to be <laughs> was everyone just nervous and yeah. standing away i think so yeah but i wouldn't call him an inviting guy necessarily no hey eh, yeah eh. that was your first comedy experience that was my first stand-up comedy and and um i, I was, was it a good blown show? away it was so funny he seemed like he was doing 
I now know these terms, um, like a half hour of his material and yeah. then maybe a half hour of riffing. Oh, yeah? Which um, Q&A stuff or just off? <clears throat> he would just say, what else, what else going on? And someone would yell, of course, like, OJ. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what else? Yeah. And then finally got to something about having sex with pigs. And he was excited about that and riffed on that for like 15 minutes. And uh, I was, yeah, mind blown. I was like, he's making this up? It probably was very yeah. medium. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But he's so funny. So that was great. Well, yeah, let's jump back to who are your buddies? Like, if you had to make a list. Of me? Yeah. Your comedy buddies. Well, you know, it, there are guys I started with. There are guys that, you know, I talk to now. Mm-hmm. Y- y- you know, but it, it, most of the time, it feels like a community, like a peer group. Like, yeah. I don't hang out with many people. And, I, and, and lately, I hang out with even less. I don't even know why. Uh, because I think stand-ups are solitary beings. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all kind of hang out you know my social life part of it is going to the comedy store and saying hi to everybody and talking in the green room and stuff but outside of that and outside of being on stage or touring with somebody i don't hang out with many of them yeah but the you know i consider like i enjoy the company of of a lot of of a lot of people but i don't spend that much time with them you know i was i was pretty good friends with al magical but he seemed to have gotten busy and uh and then you know dino and i were friends for a while but that seems to have gotten strained but i always go when i go to the store i like seeing jeselnik i like seeing Mm -hmm. you know uh little esther esther pavitsky's touring with me now a bit and they're all around and i consider them all friends and i think some of them would show up for me if i needed them to you know yeah uh, i don't i don't hang out with people that much yeah and you like hire movers now you don't need them for that no i i actually moved everything myself and my friend ryan singer who's a comic he helped me out for with that but i i moved into this house like one carload at a, <laughs> at a time over several months i did that too i, I mean at, at the end i had movers do couches and dressers yeah. but i did yeah carload one carload a night after work for a while and yeah. it's kind of satisfying it is because you can really go through your stuff yeah you can go through it twice yeah like once it gets here and once you on, when you make decisions there too yeah and it makes you get rid of more too uh, sure i yeah i i don't know why we're holding on to anything getting back to death you know like i i don't you know i saw what happened you know after you die right. i know where you know it's like who wants this yeah i don't know you were responsible for a bunch of Lynn's stuff, I feel like you were saying. Well, sure. I mean, I was kind of, I, I don't know if I was responsible for it, but I had it. I had access right. to everything, and it was COVID, so something right. needed to happen. Right. Uh, eventually, friends of hers got involved uh, with the house, but I had a lot of stuff here, and I had her car here, and it's it just, you know, it's kind of leveling, that, that whole thing as to... People want keepsakes and they want memories. So there, were, there, were, there was a dis, uh, dispersal of stuff to certain people, and I'm sure her her uh, ex husband and her son got a lot of stuff. I don't know where a lot of it went. I didn't have uh, relationships with those people. Yeah, but I know I got a hat. <laughs> yeah, the hat, that hat was essential. The hat and the green leather jacket and the red boots. Oh, I got cool. them. Yeah, the big brimmed yeah, hat, kind the of black hat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there were several of those. Over <laughs> there might be a few people that have the hat. <laughs> the hat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when do you start? Because like I, I think I'm moving towards asking you questions about writing because, uh, you know, I don't understand the reason I'm weird about ske- sketch is like I watch it and I can appreciate it. Like I watched him, Tim, Tim Robinson. Yeah, and I watch other stuff. I watch SNL, but I don't, I don't know how that works. Hmm. You know, I don't know that I could write one and have... It seems like you just have to have confidence in something. 
<laughs> because a lot of it doesn't really necessarily make sense or even have any kind of closure to it. Right. Um, a new way of writing, it seems. Yeah. Um, Tim's a, a close friend. and and You're funny in that show. It, it was really fun. I, I hung out with them for a week or two writing, too, and they're, they're just, um, we overlapped at SNL and um, Tim and Zach Cannon and everything, and um, they're uniquely good at it. Um, but what is it? So you go, okay, so you get out of co- college and you go where? You go to Chicago, you go to Second City immediately or what? Yeah, I mean, cl- for classes and IO and all those and, and just like slowly doing that for nine years every night. Um, and I think that gives you like the training to write because you're working with other people, right? Yeah, it's all it's all collaborative. It's half improv, then you're writing up the improv and all that. But what's funny is that most stand-up comedians I know have sketches in their stand-up. They, but they would never use that term. But right, you. I don't want to say any spoil any of your new material, but you, the new thing you're doing that we were texting about, yeah, is a sketch. I mean, I know, and I don't like. I tried to add some beats to it because you suggested that. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I think I can, and I, and I think there's a, a certain amount of confidence in the physicality that I think I can make the physicality funnier uh-huh. because, like, I seem to do everything kind of in earnest. You know, and and people are like, "Wow, this is kind of a serious performance." Yeah, he's really hurting. Like, yeah, but uh, but I think there's a way to make it funnier. Like, I don't know necessarily how to be a caricature of myself on purpose. I don't know how to execute. Right. I know how to mo- do funny things with my body, and I it's instinctual. But I don't know how to do it on purpose all the time. Right. Does that right. make sense? Through it repetition. Does. Yeah, I, I get it. But so that's a sketch in that. The reason you see it as a sketch because the punchline is physical and there is a, a place where it's ridiculous, but it can be repeated. You could just keep going with it. Yeah, and you're you're in it. You're um, acting out the situation as right. opposed to right. saying, um, wouldn't it be funny if, and just talking about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and then as far as endings, I've just never thought almost any sketch ending is ever satisfying. So I, I actually appreciate when they're just like, that's the time, That's we did it. So is it and... is it just the nature of it to to just kind of like make funny? <laughs> yeah, to I think to capture some moment or something, and then repeat the shit out of it. Yeah, until it's depleted. Yeah, and then with no ending, just stop it. And that, <laughs> I mean, this is all feeling <laughs> judgy, but yeah. No. <laughs> You just do that stupid thing again, and then you walk away. You go get in an Uber. Um, yeah, pretty much. And I mean, uh, that's where judgy. I like. <laughs> I like Tim's show. I like. I like, uh, and I like uh, uh, Tim and Eric too. I mm-hmm. mean, I like stuff where I know, like, there's something about the intersection of mainstream and sketch that that gets a little overproduced. Yeah. So, like, when somebody like Tim. Robinson does it and I'm pretty new to him or even Tim and Eric or even Eric Andre even these guys that are sort of more punk rock driven I can sort of appreciate it more because they they're not beholden to a context yeah you, you know they're kind of creating a thing in in whatever vacuum or whatever they like you know Tim Robinson does a thing because his character is, is all you know like my producer pointed out to me he's going to bend reality to his ridiculous will yeah that's that is the pers- that is the engine of these sketches, right? So there is a consistency there. Yeah, and Tim and Eric were just multi layered in their use of you know different types of media and weirdos and things like that. So I can appreciate that as sort of an art thing. 
Yeah. But sometimes when I watch an SNL thing that's you know driven by celebrity impressions and stuff, it's a little different. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what um, after enough time at SNL, I I was really craving like I'm like I I just want to see someone exist for more than three minutes like and get in because you can't quite yeah. it, it doesn't feel believable if you try to get into the um backstory or or really round out all four characters in a sketch it's got to yeah. just be a moment and uh yeah the type of thing that tim's great at of uh just one person put in one situation you kind of get their vibe his also you kind of start to get his vibe and so it's almost even though they're different characters I can't, like you're I can't get a sense type. I can't get a sense of like him as a person like I, I've talked to other people about him now you're the second person I've talked to about it, but you know I I, I always I, I, I expect he's some version of that guy but I don't think he is oh he's exactly that he's always screaming <laughs> no he's the I mean he's very sweet and soft spoken and uh, a, a family guy and everything but yeah can you imagine him just Oh, at all times, he's just bringing... <laughs> but there's got to be part of him. So when you're doing uh, Second City, who are the... Are you working with people we know? I mean, was there, what was your class? Yeah, t- um, Tim Robinson and Sam Richardson were just yeah. a little younger than me. Uh, Tim Baltz from uh, Righteous Gemstones was in my touring Which company. Which one's he? He's Edie's husband. He's oh, He yeah. wants to be in on the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's funny. Yeah, he's really funny. Um who else would you know? Laura Nash was on stage with me. She's in Superstore. Um, huh. And were you, you were like, you went through the classes and then you were on the main stage? I went through the classes and they really weren't touching me for a long time. Um, the producers there didn't hire me. So I was at IO every night. Um, and then in after like eight years or something, I started eight years. touring for a year, main stage for a year, and then right to SNL. You writing. did the tour? For uh, Second City? Just a little bit, yeah. A little less than a year. Eight years? Yeah. As an improv guy? Yeah, and just getting more and more angry that the Second City wouldn't touch me. My whole generation had gone through the stages. Was that everything. the that, So that was the goal, was to you know be uh, validated. Yeah. It's really hard to be in Chicago and not have that, you know, almost every late night talk turns to like who got hired late lately and right. should they have. And, and then the whole town... Has one week a year that's absolutely brutal where Lauren comes to town and all of a sudden it just turns this kind of utopia up on its head. So it's all, it's not stand up. So none of you guys are hanging out with stand ups. It's all sketch people. There was a small stand up scene that um, I had friends in and, and it was like Pete Holmes. Yeah. And Hannibal and yeah. Kumail yeah. and um, TJ Miller were yeah. all doing it back when I was doing improv and they would. They would do a little overlap and everything, right. but not a ton. It was uh-huh. it was a, it's a heavily improv town, and so Lauren comes to town, yeah, every year, most most year, yeah, and and oh man, I got to see both sides of it because yeah, the, you're you're mad that the theater owner won't put you up for five minutes in oh, front fuck, of. Fuck, I know that thing. Lauren they and, did yeah. that with the standups when you were doing like Letterman showcases and shit. Oh yeah. So, like, who got chosen? How yeah. are you going to get on that showcase? Yeah. And then who who went way too long? There's famous. Sure. She went 16 minutes yeah. on oh, the all Lord the time. night. You all know? the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a similar world with that. And How many and, How many did you go through? I mean, I, I would do it most years. And, and then the weirdest part was after my first year of writing, yeah. Lauren brought me on as a, a judge all my current friends and- 
<laughs> he brought you back to Chicago? Yeah, yeah. And, Just you? Uh, well, he had other producers, but they they all went, and head writers and stuff, but they all went to, like, out here to Groundlings and everything, but he only brought me for the Chicago leg to be like, what's this person like? What's that person like? And um, You rat. And I was a, I had to be a rat. I had to turn bitch, man. It was, uh, <laughs> no, it was crazy. And, like, my brother-in-law got hired, um... My girlfriend at the time was flown out. It was a very so. Like, wait, your your brother in law's in show business. Yeah, he's a he's a writer. Um, That's your sister's husband. Yeah. So okay, so when how did you get hired for SNL? How did that happen? What how how many attempts? What how, what was the story? I had um, he one of these Lauren to Chicago visits had me flown out in two thousand four. Yeah, and it was like the Lonely Island guys and Hater and all those guys got yeah. hired. Um, they were all out in Chicago? No, no. They oh. were being flown out from here or whatever. But I'm saying that was that class yeah. that I... Um, so a Sandberg and uh Hater. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I did not get hired. And so definitely imagine that was it for me. And it was a full four years later that I got flown again from a Chicago visit and uh, hired as a writer that time. Four years? Yeah. And are you just getting bitter and drunk? And what are you doing? <laughs> Pretty bitter. I, I was putting together a one-man show. About what? To move to L.A., just different sketch characters. Oh. and Because I, I was like, so Chicago's done for me. Second season, I can touch me. And uh, that's probably as close as I mean get to SNL. And, um, and then that one-man show started getting things for me, actually, in a weird way that like- Out here? No, just in Chicago. That got me to Second City main stage and- it was pieces from that that got me flown out again to SNL and hired so, as a writer. It was just characters? Yeah. Huh. See, like, that's the other thing about sketch and about the nature of it. It's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to do, I don't know how to remove myself from the equation. Like, have you ever done anything? <laughs> Where you, like, expose yourself, Mike, on stage. I'm not talking about well, your personal life. Have you put it on the line, Mike? <laughs> Have not, the lights come up and you've been scared, Mike? I I don't know. I, I, I feel I feel trapped. I want this part edited out. Do we get to pick the parts that get edited? Yeah, if you really need to. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like I'm not a... I can't do impressions or accents or anything. So all my characters yeah. are me. Yeah. But what if I was... Oh, you invented them. They're not impressions. Right. And, yeah. and I'm saying they also talk like this and i don't have uh, like haters bill haters range or something so they all kind of talk and walk like me but one of them this one's obsessed with this small thing and that one's they're like just slightly different you don't do any voice no i used to kind of do a chicago (laughs) accent but people an understudy came into my show second city show where i was doing that and he was like so you're doing mayor daily but with no accent right right I was like, I'm trying, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, so you actually do show yourself because you can't do any of the other things. Yeah. So what the, do you mean, show myself? Is well, I don't know. You know, like I, I, I just assume. I, I assume not unlike we just said about Tim Robinson that you know, even if you're at the center of every sketch, you know what, what, who is that guy? Are you? you I see. The skill set is there. Yeah. You've created a character. Yeah. But like, I find that like. I guess my journey as a performer was to figure out who I was. Yes. So it was never, you know, I was never like, I'm going to put on a different hat today. You (laughs) know what I mean? I'm like, I don't even know what hat I'm supposed to be wearing is me. Yeah. But I think that's the same propulsion for people to do characters as well. You know, like, I don't know who I am. I'm going to be all these different people. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. And, and yeah, I don't have the skill set to not do myself. Yeah. So, yeah, they're all. Yeah. Yeah. It's if you watched five of them, you're like, oh, I get what that actual guy is like pretty much. And I, I do a lot like the um, the bit from the other night where I'm acting like I'm talking as myself, but I'm kind of messing with the audience or right. something. And yeah, yeah. And there, that's a version of how I might joke around if I was with any of them. Yeah. 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 In real life. So, um, yeah, I think I think. It can be, and there's in that show there was a monologue about uh, my uh, best friend having cancer, and that was real. But there were jokes around it. He had um, cancer. She did. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she um, twice, but she beat it both times. My friend Shelley. So that that was vulnerable. I mean, yeah. that's a big Second City thing. Is that um, may be with no judgment uh, a little different than the Groundlings. The Groundlings, I feel like they really are great at like. Get a character and lose yourself in it. Yeah, and buy expensive wigs. <laughs> yeah, this. they're obsessed with the quality of the wigs. Apparently, yeah. but um, then uh, and Second City is like be vulnerable at some point, and, and so in its worst form, something we make fun of is that three quarters of the way through the sketch, you you uh, have to go like, by the way, mom, I I love you and I have cancer, <laughs> and you you're like, wait, that didn't feel like it flowed with the rest of it, but you get points for like that's a that's a heart wrenching but hilarious. So I always got hung up on that. Like I always had this envy of this idea that like Second City would find the essence of somebody's sense of humor. Like, you know, that there was an authenticity to Farley. There was an authenticity to uh, like to some of the I'm I'm slipping people's names in my head that, that they become almost an archetypal comedic. Yeah. Comedia della arte person. Yeah. And that Second City somehow facilitated that. Yeah, Rachel Dratch when I first moved to town was like that and and yeah, they they have like a and I think a thing I can't wrap my head around is like how much of it is you because she's another one who she's really funny and um uh, big and goofy in her yeah. on stage and very quiet and sweet and grounded on stage and is it just like maybe it's a uh, messing with what you wish you could be, sure be or sometimes? it's just something you let out occasionally right yeah yeah I think it must have that kind of thing like what if I could like um, just use Tim Shogan he is uh, very polite and sweet to everybody and he's like what if I could just yell at a waiter for five minutes, you know, or whatever, and then you get to do it, and then right. you're like, now I don't need to do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I'm, I just thinking about this because I have to do, I have to act, I have to act in something, you know, mm-hmm. and I have a sense of what the guy should be. But you know, the school of thought I come from is that you know you show up for it, and it will come. You know, it's on the page, and you kind of you can riff or whatever, but it's on the page, so you'll find that within you. But it seems to me that some people just automatically do hilarious characters even in their acting that seem authentic and i you know i'd like to do that but i don't know how to manufacture that necessarily because it's not my skill set yeah yeah and then and then you you become um daniel day lewis eventually or something there i have uh well, that i'd rather that i mean that seems like an actory thing i guess but but there are some people that are just so naturally funny that even when they're being serious they're funny yeah, I, I, it's I don't know I, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm self conscious about doing this role because I want I have an idea of how it could be funny. I just want to be able to execute it without being self conscious. So I guess that's what sketch gets you is you can 
get off of the self-consciousness around characters. Like, I'm not self-conscious at all about stand-up. I'll go up there and do whatever. Yeah. I'm not afraid of that at all. But if I had to sort of be like, hey, I'm here in your river, you know, like, I'd be like, is that going okay? Did I do it good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did I lose the accent yeah. there for a minute? And yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely um, a, uh, I, I think what's hard is, is trying to figure out um, how to harness what is funny about you. Yeah. And um, like an example is that sometimes when I get really frustrated or mad, it's um, the funniest thing in the world to friends or coworkers of right. mine. Yeah. That's and, always a great feeling. Exactly. <laughs> the impotence of your anger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's good comedy gold yeah but i couldn't i couldn't write and do that yeah i don't quite have right when i'm and i'm frankly kind of glad that it sometimes makes people laugh but i can't even like i know how to push the buttons even in that moment because it's got to be when i'm genuinely sure really frustrated and I, i'm like trying to I one time was trying to pick up my bike and and throw it down in the grass and i wasn't doing it well and it was yeah, the yeah. funniest thing in the world to people yeah. but I, w- I wasn't able to laugh for like a month yeah <laughs> i think i'm funniest when someone hands me my ass which is not a great feeling yeah but like when i get just sort of like <laughs> called out on stage or like if an audience up you know uh upstages me yeah like during crowd work or something this really that's the funniest thing is to see me try to pretend like nothing bad just happened yeah you know but how do you make that happen over and over again yeah i had one that night later on um the night that i was on the show yeah where i said um okay i'm gonna be using this guy in the front row as an example of um what uh what we're gonna act out a thing and and sir i don't know you at all you're not a plant we don't know each other correct and he said well yeah i know you from the dog park and that was like We'd only talked like once maybe and me stumbling around that. I'm like, well, that uh, it was like some of the biggest laughs of it. And I'm like, I can't have that in a, you can't capture that in a bottle. You can't, and, that, 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 you, it's like the capturing the lightning of embarrassment. Right. right. In a bottle. And light irritation. Cause I was like, yeah, ha, 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 everybody. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about the bit I wrote. Right. And uh, they're yeah. all like, no, we like that. This is a mess now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they like the mess. All right. So. You get on SNL as a writer, so you, at the fourth time, how do you? How does it? How, why then? What what happened? Different? Um, Warren just decided you were familiar to him at this point. Yeah, I think I I think I figured out a lot more of what I I do well. Um, yeah, what we're talking about is being hard, but I was definitely compared to four years earlier. I definitely knew more what how to write, how to write, how to move around what what's funny what what kind of is um cleaner has a a more clear hook right it was my i'd be humiliated to see my 2004 um new york audition in studio i i was all over the place i think i was literally improvising at one point and like tina was like had to give a suggestion or something and they must be like get this guy on a plane out of here right now um and it was much tighter the next time around i think and so yeah, um, got hired. Seth was the head writer and moved out. It's all very, um, I'm sure you've heard all these, you know, frantic, you're trying to find a place and all that. And Who was the cast? I was sharing an office with Sudeikis and then um, Hater, the Lonely Island guys, yeah. uh, Kristen. It was a great oh, cast. Oh, wow, yeah. Keenan, obviously. Yeah. Um, so uh, really, really cool cast to come in on and watch. And um and then yeah, it was it was all the same ups and downs that everybody has. There, so many friends were. They started. There seemed to be waves of Chicago people that started to happen around then. So I had 
all these close friends, including Shelley, who I was talking about, who had had cancer, were um, all hired as writers and cast. My friend Paul Britton, uh, yeah. t- then Tim Robinson, and all these guys. And um, uh, it, it's just tough. It's it's tough to because uh, because everyone comes in and struggles, even if they end up finding their footing later. They're unhappy. What is tough to figure out how to get your stuff on, to figure out who to write with, to uh, uh, connect yourself to one of the stars or, you know, how does it, how does it all sort of play out? It's all that. And, um, and uh, there's a lot of jealousy. I can't believe they're doing this one and not that one. And then there's a lot of like seeing your friends get sadder and more frustrated and often fired and, and you're giving advice and there's no, um, I was just talking about this with someone. There's no advice you can give. You're like, even when I was like a fourth year writer and, and I have a friend who comes in as a first year writer or something. And cause the rules change every week. It's at the, the, Not what so. is, what is, well, like what's funny and what gets a huge laugh on Wednesdays just kind of keeps evolving. And then there's other weird rules. Like don't, don't sit there. That's so-and-so seat. But then a month later that, that wouldn't matter. And, um, uh, if you read a piece, who decides these things? I don't know. They're there when you come in. They're all kind of handed down and um, and uh, make you feel unmoored and uh, and like, oh, I tried this thing and it didn't work. When can I bring it back? And, yeah. And those people are like, you can bring it back in four shows. Although that's a uh, that's a British host, so don't the math that people right. and that I thought I had. I, I gave so much advice to people that I'm later on like. I hope I at least wasn't helping lead to the, their firing. Like what? I mean, like this not coming down from Seth is just like in the grain of the community. These like weird things. Yeah. Are they like folk tales? <laughs> yeah, they're they're probably something that someone got in trouble for at one point. Yeah. Um, so everybody's sort of in mild fear of Lauren because, like, I get you know, look, I get mixed messages. There are yeah. certain people that love Lauren and won't say anything negative about him. And then there are other people that say like, well, you know, you got to work hard. But then, you know, occasionally there's somebody like, you know, I was miserable and I was terrified. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I. But you were there a long time. I was there a long time. So I, I got to really enjoy the place other than the like suffering around me. I got to a point where I was like, <laughs> this is this is fun. And, and I like Lauren and I think he likes me and it we we can make small talk at but there's always suffering around but but you're watching yeah you're people losing watching people get comedically shot in the head and people losing it and and all that is is really hard to be around and and deeply deeply unhappy wow it's like the opening of sergeant ryan or private ryan this is a beach it's omaha (laughs) beach yeah it really was (laughs) you're like that guy was right next to me (laughs) Uh, <laughs> seemed like a good guy too, uh, but yeah, that um, that was lucky. And it's like as soon as I got to where I was like, I I've got a groove. I know this place. I don't feel stress. I don't feel the need to stay up all night and all these things that you can't quite tell if you're supposed to do. Um, then I was lucky enough to be put in the cast, and then it's like I was back to having anxiety and having it. Oh be, my god! Um, How long did that last? One season. Your choice? No. Oh. <laughs> no, it's someone else's. Um, and then there was another season after that. Did my you do a lot of sketches? I did. As a performer? Uh, medium for yeah. a first year. They they did that where I feel like they hired five dudes because yeah. there was a, a big 
male exodus. Yeah. And they hired five guys knowing they really needed like two. Right, right. And, um, and they figured you're in the building. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I was around, throw it in there. And then they said no. And there was a weird hybrid last year where I could do videos and be on camera in my short films because yeah. those had some success, but not, they were like, get them out of the live. I never got comfortable with the live cue cards and, and hitting marks and never like was truly relaxed on in on yeah. camera. It's always impressive when someone can do that yeah. in their first year, but I, I think normally it takes a couple. So, okay, so that only lasts for a year, and then you go back to writing? Yeah, this hybrid where I would read one video a week on Wednesday that I'm in, and then otherwise write for other people, and, and that was kind of an unhappy year. I was uh, I just got a couple things on that I was in, and um, wasn't writing as much with other people or collaborating. I had a solo office at that point, Sudeikis was gone. And I was just kind of alone in that solo office. And, and that's where I was like, I got to get an exit plan. And I wrote uh, the pilot that became AP Bio and another one. Um, but that was all fueled by like just kind of alone in an office, which is a weird thing in a building of funny people, you know? Yeah. Um, but because it seems like most people are paired up or there's three people or you know, everyone's up each other's ass writing things. Yeah. And which, all of a sudden, like, you, did you feel like you were kind of on your way out? Was it exile? I was self-exiled. Yeah. I just couldn't, like, the new young people that were like, hey, man, you're funny. You should, let's do something. And I was like, so I, I write a thing, and then you get to say it and be funny on TV like I got to last yeah. year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the performing thing kind of stuck in your craw a little Oh, bit. yeah. Yeah, I was really bummed to be taken out of that. I was, I had been, you know, wanting a, a couple seasons to see if I could try like everybody. But, um, yeah, so I was cranky. And, and by the time uh, that season was winding down, I went to Lauren, and I was like, I think I got a kid out of here and moved to L.A. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> There's sometimes where he really fights people. And he's like, you know, you have children. You know, L.A. is going to eat you up. Yeah. But he, I think either he was being sympathetic to the fact that I, I was hating not being in the cast anymore. Or or he was like, I think we've gotten all yeah. the sketches we're going to get out of this guy. Oh, yeah. And do, are, do you still have a relationship with him? A little bit, because he was, you know, an EP on AP Bio, so we would talk if... How does that work? Was that something in your contract? Or you asked him? Um, I asked him and Broadway Video. Um, I just thought that'd be... You pitched to them first? Help me get a, a sale. I think so, yeah. I must and w- have. And AP Bio's based on something? It's kind of based on a couple teachers I had that were eccentric, but... Um, the crux of the comedy originally was kind of that um, thing I think you'll relate to that after a while of living in New York and then going back to the Midwest, it was so funny to see, especially having a lucky job like that and, yeah. you know, flying on uh, Lawrence plane and, and going to these restaurants all the time. Then you go back to the Midwest and you're at Applebee's and yeah. uh, trying not to be like snobby about it and that, uh, but kind of coming to appreciate that that's also really fun. And yeah. Um, so the main character is a an East Coast snob returning back to yeah. his Midwest sort right. of thing, and yeah. and some originally some of the comedy was around that concept that was front of mind. Before we get on to like how that the struggle of that show, like or like you know the you know, it was one of those it was in my memory the first one that was like sort of there was fan outrage and <laughs> trying to get you know get it back on the air and whatnot. But like when you went out to. Chicago with Lauren. Well, you had been at SNL for a year. Yeah. And and you were just, he brought you, because he brought you there because he knew you knew these people. Yeah. Yeah. He was, you know, we, we watched 
That's very calculating and odd. Yeah. Like you were going to give the lowdown. I know. And I've thought it, I was like, were you like, you know, that guy's got a little bit of a drinking problem. No, uh, that, that's the thing. I was like, I don't want to be known as the one to kill anyone's career. So, yeah. so I don't think I did what he needed. I was just everyone that came up. I was like, yeah, they're great. Yeah. They're great. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to, I wasn't in that case going to be a snitch about, like they're not that funny. That's that tonight was the funniest I've ever seen them. And that is it. So you gave him nothing. So I gave him nothing. Did you tell the people in Chicago like when he went back to the hotel? I said nothing. I, <laughs> I honored all you guys, man. Just threw nobody under the bus. Yeah, there was a there was a kind of weird, cool thing where so my best friend Shelley was, uh, you know, he was he'd flown her out before and everything. She was on main second city main stage, and he was I think in his mind already pretty. Um, close yeah. on hiring her. And so this was supposed to be to figure out who was going to get flown out to audition again. But we watched the Second City show and she had a, a good show. And then we all go out to dinner at a place you would never gone when you were living there, Gibson's or whatever. Yeah. And we were like sitting down at the table and he said, Shelly's a, a good writer. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you can tell her she's hired. And like these other head writers and stuff sitting down, we're like, what just happened? Did he just <laughs> quietly hire a, and Mike tells her? And so after that dinner, I found that cast and they were all out, out at the bar across from Second City. And I was like hanging out with them knowing I got to hire her to yeah. this job. And But I had to, I realized then I had to wait for everyone else to go, go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we were, me and her and- um, You're kind of like, no, 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 don't go. Don't, don't, just hang. <laughs> yeah. Hang a minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and at like 2 a.m., we, uh, me and another SNL writer, John Solomon, were like walking her home and I was like, if you want that job, you got it. And she's like, oh, thanks. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you you have it. It's, you have. And she was like, this is a weird, mean joke. <laughs> and didn't believe it till the next day. She had a, a Lauren meeting to make it official. But it In was Chicago. A, yeah. No, just no. like come have a, a drink before oh, you want nice. to see more shows. But it was a it was a really nice thing that was yeah. surreal. He's like, yeah. go, go tell her she's hired to SNL. I'm like, I should go. <laughs> ride, did, literally did, ride my bike at the time over to. <laughs> did he know you guys were best friends? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's sweet. Yeah. What a nice thing he gave you there and a job. Yeah. So what was the thing? Where AP Bio was at NBC? Yeah. And you did two seasons of it? That's right. Two, two 13s and we had- um, Were you running it? Yeah. And we had a- They, they didn't assign any older showrunner, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, and we had a um, Thursday 8.30- time slot which was so cool to me on nbc but we were getting housed by young sheldon <laughs> and every friday morning i had to do a call numbers call with them that was brutal they were like you know what your show is liked by people that don't all watch it live but yeah um they had uh young sheldon had eight million and you had a hundred thousand or whatever wow. whatever it was that i and they're just so awkward but it's like set up in their thing that they do these calls and, so you're up against it directly yeah it was the 8 30 cbs I have now i don't know who's watching television yeah i mean cbs their average age was like 68 or something to and that's why their numbers of live tv are good plus i mean not ripping on young sheldon my friends on that show and it's probably really good and yeah i think he grows up to be big bang or whatever but um but yeah they uh they have live tv viewers because it's 
Old uh, people. Older people. Right. Um, everyone else is, even if you DVR, it's not in those numbers. So, right. Um, so y- you felt like you were tanking? No, I, I felt like we were doing our best and I felt like a lot of people liked it, but there was a constant reminder that you're not a hit. And right. then, and so, yeah, then it got canceled and partly due to um, Pat Oswalt, who's on the show's um, huge internet following. Um, he was like, so sad to see this go. I, I'm really bummed. And like all these younger people came out of the woodwork who were fans and um, had a little save AP bio thing that did happen. So we were... That then going to Peacock because of that. Saving. So you went to the streaming service, but with full production uh, money. Yeah, pretty much, uh-huh. pretty close to the same money and everything. And uh-huh. um, um, I, I think the actors may not not have gotten a raise they would have gotten if we were on season three NBC, but but not not bad. And and then um, um, I I liked that a lot better. And all I wanted, the minimum I wanted, was to make sure we got. Well, that's kind of where your audience is. With with yeah. streaming, you, you you're not beholden to live views, right? Right. So it's judged differently. Yeah. Entirely. Completely. And and yeah, I just it felt like we got a little forced onto Peacock, who were like creating their own thing. Yeah. And it's like here, take the also the internet's mad, so take this canceled NBC show. Yeah. And so getting renewed one more. Oh, you mean the Peacock. infrastructure, the executive infrastructure of Peacock was sort yeah. of like, ah, we got, yeah, yeah. They're throwing this, they're throwing their garbage into our... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Right, and Lauren is calling them and stuff and they're like, ah, fine, fine, we'll take that. <laughs> and so getting a fourth season was actually huge because that was the Peacock execs who got forced on this, had this force on them saying, we like it enough for another season of it. So, so the fourth was nice. season was on Peacock. Yeah. Yeah. And then they said, okay, that's enough. And were you done? We we could have done one or two more. It, you know, it was all following one school year, and we didn't get to the end of the school year and have the kids, like, go to prom and graduate and stuff. Um, so that, that might have been cool. But um, doing 42 of them, it, it's just crazy. On sitcoms, characters don't change a ton. and they don't want to. Yeah, they don't want to. And I, I don't know. It just I, – I wouldn't have wanted to do 100 – or more, uh, uh, maybe a little more than the forty-two, but I was happy with that. I mean, I did four seasons of my show, and Ten I each. had, yeah, but I, I had a force of change. You know, like that, like I knew, and, and nobody watched my show, but that's fine. But the, but I knew that, like, what the goal of the traditional sitcom is to create this refillable thing, yeah, where people don't change, yeah. And we did three seasons of that, and they weren't paying me enough to just keep repeating it. Yeah, and I didn't. I thought the the jig was up, anyways, and they weren't increasing our budget, so I it wasn't even money that I wanted. It's like we're not even going to get rewarded in a fourth season with money that would enable us to execute, you know, big, you know, a, a, a better show. Right. So I was like, fuck it. So the fourth season, I just threw a wrench in the whole thing and had the character that was me relapse on drugs, and it becomes a, a you know a rehab season. Got so it. he does change. Yeah. And it's a, it's almost a whole different show, and I was so happy I did that. Yeah, to the fanfare of nobody. Uh, it's so much more fun to write, though. Once well, yeah, because then it's like you know, then it's actually speculative because that didn't yeah. happen to me. And how does that right, really right. play out? You know, to get into that world. Yeah, as opposed to like here's another who's the podcast guest this time. You know that kind of stuff. Right. But it was more it was more interesting. It seemed actually more real than following my current life. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Why was it more real it's if it bigger was stakes. less? Okay. You know, a guy, you know, gets like a big opportunity, relapses on drugs, ends up losing everything and living in a storage locker. And, you know, his friend, you know, gets him into rehab and he's got to rebuild to someplace. Yeah. But I end up in an entirely different place. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's, that sounds really freeing. We, I, it's, I'm curious what would have happened if we did an earth-shattering change to the main character in that. But um, I think we would have needed to. What we were doing more was that kind of people always call it like community, but it's a lot of shows that do it. We're we're playing with the um, genre, messing with genres sure, sure, and stuff sure. and to there, mix things up. Right. So everything becomes like a show within a show. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah, you're because yeah. you're all of a sudden the writer's room is activated by everyone being like. This is the this is the horror uh, episode, right, and, right, and right. it's more exciting because otherwise it is like, uh, remember he's going to be doing this, and then that character always says that. And well, that's a weird thing, I, and I'm just thinking out loud now is that you, you know for something to work dramatically with an arc, you know, like a theater or a movie or whatever, the characters have to change, right? Yeah. I mean, that's sort yeah. of the rule. Yeah. Whereas you know, in sitcom, the characters can never change. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a great line in some Simpsons where near the end of a really wild one, uh, Lisa says, but but next week we'll be back to normal, right? And none of this <laughs> will have affected anything permanently or something like that. And it's it's kind of true. You're like, you can push them and push them. Like our, the main character in AP Bio is kind of always learning a little lesson in how to be nicer and more part of the community in yeah. Toledo. But he never, the next episode he starts out and he's like, I don't want to go to a backyard barbecue ever and by the end he's like backyard bar- barbecues are okay but somehow that lesson doesn't go into right the next week and that's just kind of you're like that feels like it feels it always felt scary like if we made him learn too many lessons then you're done yeah you, know, you got to keep them keep some comedic tension so I, i'm trying to remember when we were am i was that a sort of trust meeting was carrie brownstein the originally supposed to be in it yeah and that's then she right. couldn't do it right because I remember being at Carrie Brownstein's house yes. eating sushi. That's right, and discussing it with her and Lynn and you, right? Yes. And then and then that didn't happen. And so Michaela, who was in it, was there, but um, yeah, Jillian Bell came right, became the character that Carrie had been. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what do you? What's on the drawing board, man? Um, I'm writing a a screenplay. Um, I have a another pilot. The other pilot I wrote when I was in my last year of SNL and trying to um, get some things to come out to L.A. with um, was about a character that uh, I've always pictured my friend Sam Richardson playing, and he's gotten so busy lately that he, he said to me recently, is there any way that could not be a show, that that, that could be a, a feature movie? And... Um, because then it's just like three weeks or whatever, right? right? As opposed to you commit to a show, it's yeah. five months to ten years, and yeah. um, and so that's a, a fun, weird challenge of this like thirty-page thing trying to make it a hundred pages, and yeah, um, that's what I'm doing now. I've got the the little index cards all over the the my house, and um, uh, reading a book about screenplays. <laughs> it's which uh, one? It's about sequences. They're breaking it down into. 10 to 15 minute chunks. I think it's called sequences. Huh. And um and that's easier for my brain than just act 1 act 2 act 3. It's still 3 acts but they're in 10 to 15 minute chunks. It's it's good and it's got 11 movies that it breaks it down for you with so you'll 
I'll watch one of these. Now, do, do the people that write these screenplays do they go use this system, or is this system retrofitted? Like I always wonder about books. Yeah, like, like are the great screenplays <laughs> guys who like you know we did the fifteen minute thing. The <laughs> Godfather's all about the fifteen minute. <laughs> There's one, I don't know if you'd call it great, but Air Force One is a sequence-based script that apparently was written by like a student of this guy. The weird thing about the books, I feel like, is they're always referencing their one thing that got yeah, yeah. made and it's never everything. <laughs> yeah, they hear. But they delivered one, man. <laughs> yeah. They got one through. Yeah. Yeah. It validates the whole system. And then they keep referencing it. And it's like, as we learned on Doggy's Day Out, um, you deny. <laughs> you know, like, oh, right. <laughs> well, there was like when I was a kid, it was the one, but it was a Sid Field book. Sid Fields, I think it was, I think, I think it was just called screenplay okay. or screenwriting. Sid Field was the guy. What did he write? Was it? I don't know. Let's look it up <laughs> because that was like you know you got to get the Sid Field book, right? Right. And it then was, it became some other book. There's another one. Save the Cat was when I was starting out that and their that writer's movie is like um, blank check. I think it's called. And yeah, it's all over that book. Yeah, it's just called. Uh, Sid Field, screenplay. And this was the book. And I remember buying it, The Foundations of Screenwriting. There you go. Yeah. And I remember buying it and not reading it. Yeah. Did but you... then there's another book that Lynn had that she really liked. I don't know what that one's about. It's about story. Okay. Uh, I can't remember. Have you ever written one? A screenplay? Yeah. I wrote one years ago, um, but not lately. I mean, I wrote some scripts for my show, but I haven't really executed a whole... I can't stand writing. I can't stand it. You mean that type of writing? You you must any writing. You, I hate it. Is I've the, written books. I've it, written episodes of my show. <laughs> I write a thing every week that I send out to people. Right. But my comedy really happens on stage. I, I was going to say you don't write. You don't sit and write. No, I, it'd every... probably be better. I would add more beats to that joke <laughs> if I you know if I was responsible and disciplined. But I, I need room for things to evolve and get ruined on stage on their own. I can't uh, commit to the. As soon as I put it down on paper, it's sort of like, well, that's done. Yeah. So you don't you don't even have like a little messy notebook. Sure. Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Okay. I mean, I do all that kind of writing. Yeah, but there's not, a lot of that. Not sitting and typing. No. Here's there's what. no there's no math problem jokes. Yeah. There's no like I've tried to do it just so I could look at it. Yeah. But sometimes like when I transcribe my bits, I'm like, oh my god, it's like a whole page of me rambling. <laughs> and then there's part of me that thinks like you can't be doing it right. You've got to be more efficient. And then like, do you though? Yeah. So like the writing thing, kind of like I don't know. It's probably some manifestation of my insecurity, my process, but whatever. Yeah, it's it's gotten me, you know, into the solid mid level of, uh, of show business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it yeah. would would I leap into the upper echelon if I was just more disciplined about my construction? Maybe, maybe, or you you might lose something that is like the the. I feel like your vibe on stage is a little like you're working it out, which I imagine must be tricky at, when you're actually in the hundredth time of doing a joke but i don't know like it seems to be what's happening though you know because i just did two shows and uh, two different shows and two different people said like you know it was like stream of consciousness and i'm like it wasn't though it's a list of eight things <laughs> well i mean i mean yeah. i'm working out the stuff right but i mean i'm not i but i did like i was at argo the other night and i did do a lot of you know riffing and and i guess i i don't know i've worked all very hard for it to look like that yeah, like that is what I do. Yeah. But is it anti, is it is it 
am I am I working against myself because people think like, well, he's not clearly not done with it yet. I'm like, no, that's that's a, that's a style, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. It was. I heard that the style is workshopping. <laughs> right. Right. I heard the Strokes say that once in an interview, and I felt mad at first, and then I came around to it, but. They said, people compliment how messy our thing is. And we're like, we worked hard to get it to sound just the right messy. And right. I was like, well, that's not punk and cool, but I get it now more that yeah. they're talking about weird feedbacks and everything. It's not just, they don't just start shoving wires place and then play the sure. show. Well, I mean, Christopher Lloyd was at the show last night in oh, Santa cool. Barbara. He came with his wife and, you know, they were, he was backstage. I'm like, hey, and he's like, oh, you know, like. And uh, I'm like, how's it going? He's like, that was great. You're just making stuff up. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yes. It's like, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I, I see comics and you know what's going you know, it seems like it's planned, but you're not planned. <laughs> he did, he was a guest on AP Bio. And, yeah. Uh, he was great. He He's older now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because um, of time. But um, he, uh, <laughs> he had- He'll a, do it. He'll he, do it, man. He, he had a thing where he kept being like, wouldn't it be funny if I wore sunglasses? And we were like, I think it, you're going to kind of look like an old blind man. And um, you're, he was supposed to be kind of a nemesis to the main character. Yeah. We had to, this awkward dance where one after another of us was going to set because we had to talk to Christopher Lloyd about killing the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally he's like, fine, fine. Just Let's just do the lines. Uh, so bummed uh, when the an actor doesn't get their big, but that was his big. I think my guy has sunglasses. And we're like, it's nighttime. That was part of it. Yeah, yeah. Like so, you seem blind. But it's so weird how you know, like Lynn used to talk me down a lot too. Where I'm like, I'm going to do it like this, and she's like, Well, I think you. Know, I'm no, oh, no, I'm doing it like this. <laughs> and then like eventually, like she just allow it until you're sort of like, all right. What do you, what do you want me to do? Okay. I'll do and it. then would she use yours though? No. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like, and sure enough, in the edit, she no. saw what I had. No, no. She <laughs> she indulged me. I pouted. And then I did it like she wanted to. And it was better. I asked, I was talking to Dan all about that shoot. And I said, um, um, I know it was like 100 degrees. Oh, and my God. I bet, I bet um, you terrible. know, you guys were I having. Was so, I was such, I was so bitchy. He said it was the opposite. He said, um he was really bitchy and that you at one point were like, hey, come on, man. It's a pretty fun thing. We got a, this great director. She makes this stuff look good. Let's not bitch. And yeah. I was like, Marin gave you that pep talk? <laughs> Do you remember that? Well, yeah, because like, you know, his crankiness is, it's, 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 you, it's, it's not contained that well. Like, you know, when I'm being cranky, you know, I'm just a little off-putting, but like he could, you know, he's got range. <laughs> His you know, he's, is, is, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, like, it's gonna pollute everything <laughs> if we don't <laughs> wrangle it. We gotta wrangle it, yeah, because he's like a real, he's like classic Chicago angry guy. Yeah, you know, and you just, you don't want that on, <laughs> you unleash that on a set. Who the fuck knows what's gonna happen? <laughs> yeah, it, has, it knows no bounds. It's yeah, he was famous for having punched a wall and broken his hand and quit uh, Second yeah. City all in one big flurry but um well he got sober too but yeah. i think it was just it was hot but it, it, by that point i think i'd had a different you know point of view on it yeah like i'm i'm difficult with process because you know shooting things takes a long time and you know it's it's annoying yeah because i i you can't help but like i don't i'm not by nature an actor where i'm like this is the job to me yeah. it's like i could be doing other things even if they're nothing yeah <laughs> i could be doing them yeah you know 
Yeah, I both, I go back and forth between like, I wish I was in more stuff. I, I really like, that's the most direct way to get my comedy out there is if I write it and then I'm in it. And then when that, I've been lucky enough to have that happen. They're like, okay, so we're going to um, have you in hair and makeup at 6 a.m. And I'm like, oh, why'd I do this? God, this. <laughs> yeah, I know. You got to really love it. And also, like, I was so intimidated because, you know, you guys put this thing together and I'm surrounded by, you know, professional, you know, riff clowns <laughs> who are going to just like take, I got Toby Huss, you know, literally like, you know, climbing the walls with his character. Riff clowns. You know, and. I'm going to start using that term and be like, are they more stand up or are they kind of a riff clown? <laughs> <laughs> Please, but like you know, after like one you know one day of shooting, I, I said to Lynn, "I'm like, you're gonna have to br- you know, reel these people in, <laughs> or I'm just gonna be like this fucking dumb straight man for like a whole crew of riff clowns." <laughs> yeah, she she was telling me that that was the conversation, and it was funny to us because it was real though. It was true. Everything we were seeing though, you were very funny in it. It's just that that there's always that couple of takes that are like 11 minutes long and someone's like gone into a whole made up rap or something it's never going in but like when she yells cut she's laughing really hard and the crew like applauds and you're like this is but that's not going in we're not gonna have an 11 minute monologue well, yeah, no and with me well i don't know that all yeah. i know is like why don't we just change the movie to toby's time <laughs> why don't we call it that Riff Clown starring Toby. Us. Yeah. Us. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so like there was a little of that kind of cockfighting going on. But yeah. like, I mean, I could, but like, but there is something about doing an improvised movie where you do have to find a level because, you know, no matter how fun it is or, or what voice anyone's using, it should be character appropriate. And I think everyone eventually did land there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It does feel, you can feel it in some other ones. Um, where people are in two different movies. And I think Lynn w- was good at getting that, maybe even sometimes in the edit. I don't yeah. know, because I wasn't able to come to set to that one. But um, but everyone feels like they're in the same thing, because there's other ones where, yeah, someone is so broad, yeah. they come yeah. in and it just yeah um, takes you right out of it that you're like, this person is really swinging hard. Well, I always find that it's like uh, any movie that... Uh, has my uh, has John Malkovich in it? Uh-huh. He's in a different movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like there's the movie that's happening, then whatever movie John Malkovich is in. Yeah, it's a different. Also good, but yeah, different. yeah. It's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah. a separate movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a separate show. Yep. All right. Well, it was good talking to you, buddy. You too. Thanks for having me. This was great. That's it. That was Mike O'Brien. Tonight, if you want to go see him, if you're in the L.A. area, Club TG in Atwater Village at 8 p.m., I will be uh, tonight in Troy, New York at the Music Hall, tomorrow in Laconia, New Hampshire, uh, and uh, Saturday, Burlington, Vermont. You can go to WTFPod.com slash tour for all the upcoming dates, and uh, enjoy. I'm okay. I'll be okay. This guitar playing makes me feel better. It's a nice fuzz to it today. Natural distortion.
Boomer lives. Monkey and LaFonda. Cat angels are everywhere. 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 <laughs> 